out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Green. Paper people, paper people, time out, time out, time out. Hey, 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 paper people. What's up, what's up? This is Out of Paper. We are discussing today season two, episode four of The Office, titled The Fire. And if I may be so bold, I predict that this episode will be fire. Fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so how are you guys doing how are you doing dan i'm good man how are you doing rob I'm doing great cool yeah good now that my my time massage took oh yeah i was telling you mr time massage over here yeah sounds interesting it is yeah having someone beat you up and do yoga to you <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a funny turn of phrase do yoga to you i mean that's the only way i could think to describe it yeah points where i was on the ground and she had just like she was like pulling my arm out as far as it could go and like kicking me out with like the bottom of her heel oh god (laughs) yeah almost sounds like she was trying to like dislocate your arm yeah i mean she didn't but yeah like could have been i guess if she didn't know what she was doing she definitely could have i mean just the way i was picturing it in my head yeah because i was so surprised by what it was i did research time massages after and i read they do have the highest risk of injury as far as massages go oh wow and uh some of them involve hitting i mean she i think she karate chopped my back a bunch Mm. at the end of it but besides that i don't even know if it was karate it felt like she was just punching my back (laughs) continuously (laughs) (laughs) well i mean you got to loosen up those deep muscles somehow yeah she's physically small in stature but very strong (laughs) (laughs) but yeah she knew what she was doing it worked out made me feel better all right sounds great yeah a little jealous well i recommend it if you ever want to get beaten up for an hour and a half that's a good way to go (laughs) yeah i can give you the information about the place okay well on that note let's jump to some news news got a news you got got a little more uh billy eilish (laughs) related news all right all i could find this week so we're back to the we're Fair back enough. back to billy i think if we stay on billy it might just be continuous billy eilish maybe <laughs> she's gonna go through every cast member <laughs> well it's funny you bring that up so in order to have these threat level midnight quotes <laughs> in her song she had to appeal to every cast member uh, whose line she was going to use in the song. That makes sense. So apparently she talked to Steve Carell, DJ Novak, Rain Wilson, I believe Jim, or John Krasinski. <laughs> Jimothy. Uh, Jimothy. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Jim, James, Jimothy. That uh, sounds weird. Can I call you Jim? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, apparently Rain Wilson and... Billie Eilish had a little meetup sesh, and uh, like they smoked weed together, or did they just no, just met a up. Okay, meet up, had a meet up. Okay, you said <laughs> sesh. I wasn't sure. It was just four twenty. You know, that's true. I guess I, yeah. <laughs> so Rain Wilson and Billie Eilish met up, and Rain Wilson gifted her 
a yogurt lid. Hey. Yeah. What color? Um, that's a good question. Because I don't know it. And I don't think it's in this article. Okay. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Took me off guard there. I mean, you got to know how she did. That's true. I would hope it was a gold. Not the backside of the gold. Not the backside of the gold. It would be blue or bronze. Well, as we're talking about this, I just realized my question is whether they smoked weed together is not a valid question. I remembered an interview I saw with Rain Wilson. Actually, it was an AMA on Reddit uh-huh. a little while back where somebody asked him uh, what was something in his life he wished he had done sooner than he did, if any. And I remember he said that he wished he smoked, stopped smoking weed years before he did. Oh, wow. Because it made him lazy and unmotivated. And yeah. he would have accomplished a lot more had he stopped sooner. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard a number of people say that. Yeah. But it also brings a lot of people joy, so. Oh, yeah. I mean, I you know, it's yeah. like any drug or any medication. Everyone's body chemistry is different. Everyone's that is very true. psychological makeup is very different. Somebody could get very demotivated and do nothing if they smoke weed. Or, you know, somebody could paint a giant mural and not have had the inspiration to do that unless they smoked weed necessarily. So, yeah. I think what works for Rain may not necessarily work for others. And vice versa, sure. Exactly. Yeah, it's true. But it's good that he found what worked for him, at any rate. Indeed. Not really much else to say on this. I guess one funny thing is that in the Twitter post that Rain posted, he referred to her as William Eyelash. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah, I thought that was funny. And that's it for news. Hey, I just found an answer to our question. Oh, what is it? Give her the gold. Check it out. All right. Look at that. Mm-hmm. She's stoked. She looks very happy. Indeed. He looks a little confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool that uh, she had to reach out to everybody to get permission. It makes sense. Yeah. Yes, it is their intellectual property. Although I guess it is a little surprising that she didn't have to go through NBC. I mean, I'm ultimately. sure... I'm sure she did that first. And maybe NBC was like, well, that's fine, but you need to get the individual actors' permissions as well to use their voice. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Just like we did for all the clips we play on our show. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We have personal relationships with everybody on the show. And Billie Eilish. They're they're all big fans of the podcast. Yes. I get texts all the time. Really? I don't get any texts. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, well, now I feel kind of... This is awkward. I'll do a mass text and tell him to reach out to you specifically. Why don't you just do this podcast with Steve Carell from now on, huh, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> He's too busy. I tried. Yeah. His wife? Oh, there you go. I haven't, I haven't explored that avenue yet. Well, <laughs> you're so close with Steve, you can always get her number, man. <laughs> Not that I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into the episode. Let's do it. What episode we got? Well, in my notes, I have Season 2, Episode 2, but that's incorrect. We are on Season 2, Episode 4. Yes. And in the outline I saw, it looked like you had Season 2, Episode 34, which I thought was interesting. That's true. That was the I title. I figured that was just a typo. I fixed it. Yeah. I, I mean... Once I realized it. I knew where we were. Yeah. I <laughs> admittedly started working on the outline uh, on my phone. So... Gotcha. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not the best at typing on a phone, but understandable well anyway that's all besides the point so we are on season two episode four yes titled yes. the fire which aired on october 11th 
2005, directed by Mr. Ken Quippy, our favorite, our favorite on this show. Love you, Ken. <laughs> what a guy, that Ken. And it was written by BJ Novak, another BJ joint. Nice. Yeah. BJ Quippy joint. Indeed. This is, I think, their second team up they've had since we've been doing this. Nice. Yeah. Dream team. Dream team. <laughs> and uh, just a little note, this episode was intended to be the season opener. And you know what? I remember us talking about that well, in the first episode. Right. And we weren't entirely sure which yeah, episode was that. supposed to be. We did. I, I think this episode did come up as one of our theories. Yeah, I, I feel like I remember you brought up that it was supposed to air before the Dundies, and I think I right. said that it would make more sense for it to be the first episode of the season since we just met Katie and now she's coming back. That sounds right, yeah. And then we kind of debated for a while whether or not it was supposed to be the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> Which we do, and we love it. And then you sneezed in my tea, <laughs> said it's okay, it's just allergies. <laughs> so we get in a cold open this episode. And it's Pam picking up the phone. Yep. And asking who's there. And then transferring the call to Jim's desk. Which leads to a talking head with Pam. Explaining how Katie and Jim met in the office. And I don't know. I guess they're they're dating now. Which is great. Mm-hmm. She feels like she's talking very loud right now. <laughs> am, I, am I talking loud? I feel like I'm talking really loud right now. She wasn't. No. Normal talking volume. I feel like it's rare to see her so flustered so far in the series, besides when Michael made her cry in the first episode. That's true. And uh, I have to say, even though she's obviously not happy, I I feel like she was very cute in this scene for whatever reason, even though she's like flustered in kind of a negative way. It's like very adorable kind of flustered. Agreed. I, I feel like there was one other time we saw her get a little flustered, and that's when... In the Hot Girl episode when Jim told her that he was going to grab drinks with Katie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she got a little uncomfortable. She brags about her weekend plans helping Roy's brother move. (laughs) Very cool. (laughs) Certainly no mountain biking off Montauk Mountain. (laughs) It cuts back from the talking head and Pam kind of curtly tells Jim, you can just give her your extension. Jim was just like, okay. Didn't really think much of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, opening credits. We come back and we see Ryan in Michael's office and Michael is giving him an assessment for the temp agency. The Rye guy. <laughs> what does he say? There's something uh, I, I can't remember now. He's like, I am assessing, <laughs> I'm assessing Ryan to see how well he's been doing here or something like that. I think that. he makes it, he implies that Ryan wanted to know how well he was doing, and Ryan corrects him, says the temp agency wanted to know. There you go. Michael is just pleased as punch that he gets to do this with Ryan. Like, he's mm-hmm. having way too good of a time, like, asking him, you know, all these questions and going down the the checklist of how Ryan's doing. <laughs> and uh, we have a clip. Hey. Michael's in there right now evaluating the temp. He hasn't evaluated me in years. Five years from now, what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? Uh, Well, I'm interested in business. Oh, good. Ambitious. Excellent. Want to be a manager? Uh, No, actually, uh, what I want is to own my own company. 
That is ridiculous. <laughs> Ryan's about to attend the Michael Scott School of Business. I'm like Mr. Miyagi and Yoda rolled into one. Much advice you seek. Do you know who that is? Fozzie Bear. Mm, no, that was Yoda. <laughs> Fozzie Bear. <laughs> Fozzie Bear. Who is Fozzie Bear? Is that a character? Oh yeah, he's a Muppet. I thought that was Fonzie Bear. No. Oh, it's Fozzie? It's Fozzie Bear, and then there's Gonzo. Huh. You just combined them both in your brain. I guess I did. Because <laughs> Fonzie is played by, uh, he's in the Happy Days, played by Arthur. Uh, I don't know. I never really watched much Happy Days. It's the, it's the guy, it's uh, Mr. Cousineau from Barry. Henry Winkler? Henry Winkler, not Arthur. Oh, yeah. I don't know. He voiced Fozzie Bear? No, he's Fonzie in Happy Days. Oh, right. <laughs> we're getting I thought all, you were saying he, we're getting all I thought you were saying that he also voiced Fozzie Bear in the Muppets. No, no, Whoa. no. no. <laughs> you, but you called him Fonzie Bear. Right. Fonzie's from Happy Days. Isn't the Fonz? Yeah, he's the Fonz. Okay. Do they call him Fonzie? Well, his last name is Fonzarelli. Oh, uh, okay. And yeah, they call him Fonzie, sometimes the Fonz. I guess, I guess it would get kind of tedious to refer to someone as the whatever all the time. Yeah, and then there's Fozzie Bear in the Muppets and Gonzo in the Muppets. Okay, so I was never a big Muppet guy for whatever reason, so that's that's my confusion. I wasn't a huge Muppet guy, but I guess I watched the movies when they came out. My sister and I were kind of into it when we were younger. Yeah, I don't know if I even watched those. I loved Muppet Babies when I was really young. Really? Yeah. But I mean, I'm talking like oh, yeah. four to six years old, maybe. That was my jam. Was it even out then? I think so. It's going to turn out I was a huge fan of this show when I was like 17 years old. <laughs> oh, 1984. Okay, so yeah, it predated my birth. Holy cow. Yeah, but that's what I remember watching. And then I feel like compared to the... Cause since Muppet Babies was animated, you know, they were able to do a lot more with the medium. Right. I feel like then the Muppets pale to comparison because they're all stuck, just kind of sitting behind like a bench or something. Right. Typically, it's just their waist up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So, I liked the dynamic nature of the babies. <laughs> so, back to the episode. Right. Michael Michael lays out to Ryan that there are ten rules of business. <laughs> Rule number one, you have to play to win, but you also have to win. Play. <laughs> we actually stuff. <laughs> we actually quoted this line in one of our previous episodes. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty uh, classic Michael line right there, straight out of either Star Wars or Karate Kid. <laughs> and you know what else is funny is we get another talking head with Dwight in this episode where he's trying to refer to his relationship with Michael as being a classic duo again. Mm-hmm. Only this time, he says, you know, Michael and I were like Batman and Robin, Lone Ranger and Tonto. It wasn't the Lone Ranger, Tonto, and Bonto referring to Ryan as being like a third wheel in, uh-huh. this, in this whole thing. And it's, Dwight's pretty much jealous of Ryan throughout most of this episode. So It also led me to wonder, what happened to Mozart and Butch Cassidy? Yeah, he just kind of gave that one up, I guess. 
I guess you couldn't think but of another gunslinger or musician. At the same time, this was supposed to come prior to that episode. Oh, right. Yeah. I wonder if there's any more episodes throughout. I mean, we'll have to keep an eye out for it for the rest of the season. More duo comparisons that yeah. White makes as yeah. we go. These are the only two I can think of, but... Yeah, it could have been just an offhand comment further down the road that we never really thought about. Mm-hmm. You know what I also thought of watching, uh, before we get past it too much, the mm-hmm. scene with Ryan and Michael and how he does the Yoda voice and Ryan is unable to identify it as Yoda. Maybe I'm reading too much into this, but we have Ryan and Michael. Michael is clearly from the get-go, as we've seen in the Dundies and even before it, infatuated with Ryan. One could even say in love with him to a certain extent, not in a romantic or a sexual way, but in a weird, like, admirational like, he's my son, but I look up to him. It's a weird relationship. Yeah. So he gives this Yoda reference, and Ryan thinks it's Fozzie Bear, <laughs> and he's very disappointed. Flat, fast forward to seasons later, the first time we meet Holly Flax, Michael sits down on the floor with her to help her with her disassembled chair and does a Yoda voice, and she stares at him for a second before returning a Yoda voice. And he's just over the moon. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's the test of true love for Michael. <laughs> you know, his heart is leading him down the wrong path with someone that doesn't understand his Yoda references, <laughs> but somebody that gives him back a Yoda reference. Yeah. That's where his heart should live. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So back to the episode. The fire alarm goes off, and Dwight and Angela spring into action. You know, they're saying things like, okay, everybody, don't panic. Let's exit the building in an orderly fashion. Keep your hands at your sides. No one, no one's taking them seriously at all. But they're both very serious about this fire alarm. I like that Dwight is shouting over Angela, even though it's been established that she is the safety officer. That's a good point. I, it, <laughs> that thought did cross my mind. Like, is Dwight even supposed to actually be doing what he's doing? Definitely not. Yeah. I mean, she is also the one standing there actually giving instructions as to what they're supposed to be doing while Dwight's just kind of getting erratic. Yeah. Just culminates in him screaming in Phyllis and Staley's face. (laughs) Do you want to die? Have you ever seen a burn victim? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Phyllis and Stanley finally give in and start to leave and very slowly. Yeah. And everyone else just kind of, as everybody's filing out of the office, Michael runs out of his office, plowing into I think it was Jim. <laughs> yep. <laughs> on his way out the door. Very He's screaming move, move. <laughs> yeah. Very much in the style of George Costanza. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving the ch- the children's party in the apartment. And he also uh pushed over his girlfriend's mother <laughs> and like at least one <laughs> child on his mad dash out. Michael. And apparently he's you find out later in that episode he stepped on his girlfriend's mother's and and broke it oh that's right <laughs> oh man even the cloud the clown is looking at him yeah. disapprovingly <laughs> the clown tries to attack him when they finally get oh, out of the apartment yeah that's right do you remember who that clown was no that was john favre oh that's right yeah that's funny eric the clown he put out the grease fire with his big shoe <laughs> for someone who has nothing to do with this show he's certainly coming up a lot in our podcast He is. I think he's one of those people that just, at this point, he's made such a stamp on Hollywood in, like, every regard that he's just going to keep coming up somehow. That's a good point. Yeah. Did you ever see uh, PCU? Of course. 
<laughs> Can you blow me where the Pampers is? <laughs> what? That's actually the only line I think of whenever PCU comes up in any context instantly, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. I think the first line I think of is uh, just a little binger to brighten up your day. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> that is a classic movie. I feel also, like that's probably not even relatable to college kids nowadays. No. I feel like it was barely relatable to us as college kids. It's true. That and the song Afternoon Delight. That always reminds me of that movie. Nice. That yeah. makes me think of Anchorman, too. It's true. Yeah, Anchorman kind of... Uh, it took it. It, all, it. But for me, PCU still still holds that song. That, I'd rather, I dig it. It's the I original. Still, yeah. It's classic. I still associate that song more with PCU than Anchorman. But nice. I think it speaks more to you. So Maybe. Yeah. So anyway, Dwight sees smoke. He grabs the water jug out of the water cooler. Kind of... <laughs> kind of tries to like pour some of the water into the break room and there's like, not even any visible fire he's just throwing, <laughs> no, he's water, just throwing water onto the ground yeah <laughs> and then just eventually just throws the whole jug yep and uh did you notice because i also paid close attention to this he doesn't get wet at all during this process oh really because no water spills on him it spills all over near him but none of it gets on him oh interesting i, I felt like when he was first taking it out of the cooler and his back is to the cameras when maybe that's what i thought too but i rewound and watched it a couple times and when he turns around holding it and it's still gushing down Uh he's dry okay yeah yeah there's a lot of inconsistencies throughout (laughs) the episode of dwight's shirt going from wet to dry to wet again yeah he's got a magical shirt this whole time (laughs) or he's just sweating a lot in some very specific (laughs) areas and then drying off quickly (laughs) That would be a weird place to sweat. (laughs) So after he throws the water cooler into the break room, he comes out, he gets into like a karate stance and karate punches the glass for the fire extinguisher. Even though the glass breaker is hanging (laughs) right there. And that's, that's the first time I think we see Dwight eschew a glass breaking device of some kind to use his fist instead. I feel like we see it at least one more time, if not a few more. Uh huh. That's true. Uh, any opportunity he can so he he runs into the break room with the extinguisher kelly is trying to make her way from the annex through the break room out the door (laughs) and (laughs) she's like doing just she's doing just fine running herself but Mm -hmm. as soon as dwight crosses her path he like grabs her around the belly and is trying to like pull her out and is doing more to impede her progress than help her. Yeah, I feel like he almost has her in like a neck lock at one point. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so he lets go of Kelly. She runs off, and then Dwight drops down to his belly, and his belly <laughs> belly crawling across the office to get out the door, saying, you got to keep your head below the smoke line. <laughs> As Kelly just is walking past him. <laughs> right. So then we get the first shot of the parking lot. As we come to know it. Really? We've never seen the parking lot No. There was a scene in, what was it, sexual harassment where Michael goes outside and goes to the side of the building to talk to the warehouse. warehouse. But we don't actually see the parking lot. Interesting. And now we're finally in the parking lot in front of the building that we all know and love. Because the first season, every time they're outside of the office building, it's a different parking lot than what's used throughout the rest of the series mm-hmm. so we cut to the parking lot and it's just the only person out there is michael 
He's got his hands in his pockets and he's just kind of like kicking a pebble across the <laughs> sidewalk, waiting for everybody else to get down. And then we get a talking head with him saying that, uh, yeah, you know, I've heard women and children first, but in today's society, women are equal to men. And if I let them go first, then I've got a lawsuit on my hands. <laughs> I love that. Logic holds up. <laughs> Did you notice, I don't know if maybe I was reading too much into this, but it looks like Michael's parking placard for his car that's behind him in the shot uh-huh. is printed on paper. Oh. It's not actually like a plastic or <laughs> placard of any kind that the building put out. That's funny. So he probably just did it himself. Yeah, I wonder, does he have to do that like every few days, <laughs> yeah. every time it rains, whenever it gets dirty? Yeah, maybe. On. <laughs> That's funny. Does he even have an assigned parking spot, or did he just Probably not, decide yeah. that he has an assigned parking spot? I think that's, spot? that's likely what it is. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, so he pulls Ryan aside and wants to tell Ryan about his second rule of business. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the second rule. Whenever you're talking to a client, you need to adapt, <laughs> react, readapt, apt. Act. Oh, I thought it was just apt again. No, I think it was. I thought it was act. Oh, it could be. Yeah. Act, react, readapt, readapt, act. No, adapt, react, readapt. Maybe it was apt. Now I wonder. Yeah, I don't know. That's what I heard. Real quick. I thought just the last word was just meant nonsense and that even Michael wouldn't even be able to like make sense of it in an explanation. You know what's interesting is, uh, in doing a search for it right now, a Google search came up for both ways oh, of saying it. Really? Yeah. Let's see if there's anything remotely official. Yeah. Huh. I don't know if there's anything. So the Office Quotes uh, website that at least I've been using uh, to look up quotes from time to time, yeah. that has act. But it looks like most of the Reddit posts talking about it, people seem to hear the word apt, like you did. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, either way, it's funny. Either so. way, yeah. <laughs> it never yeah we, he never touches on it again but he does ask ryan he's like did you get that repeat it back to me <laughs> i love it where ryan repeats it back quickly he's like all right yeah. like, let's let's just slow down let's a slow minute. it down a little bit <laughs> and it was almost like hearing it back michael was like yeah this isn't good <laughs> yeah. i don't know if i like this now <laughs> and uh, he has not thought he wants to take time for ryan to learn rule two <laughs> because he has no idea what rule three is yet Oh, yeah, no. So now that Ryan has rule two down, he's in a tight spot. Right. <laughs> so Dwight gets downstairs finally, and he goes to take a head count. Michael is number one, but he doesn't see Michael in the group. And he happens to look over, and there's Michael off to the side with Ryan again. Mm-hmm. So Dwight heads over to them and says, uh, you know, starts taking his head count, saying Michael's number one. And then he says to Michael that Ryan doesn't have a number. What what should we give him? And he's like, well, Marjorie's not here. Maybe we'll give him 14. And Michael's like, well, no, Ryan has to have his own number. It's Ryan protests. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then they start trying to come up with a name for the little group that they impromptu. Well, before that, okay. uh, Michael proposes after Dwight protests him taking 14 and proposes a number. He says, well, what about two? And Dwight goes, No! <laughs> that's right that's right uh that's so good 
Very strangled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then I guess they suggest three, and then they go into, we'll call ourselves the Three Musketeers. Right. And then Michael's like, no, 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 I've got a good one, the Three Stooges. <laughs> and then we've got a clip from Ryan. I don't want to be like a guy here, you know? Like Stanley is the crossword puzzle guy, and Angela has cats. I don't want to have a thing here. You know, I don't want to be the something guy. <laughs> That's a lot about Ryan. It does. And it's also funny because, I mean, obviously in this episode, he becomes the fire guy. Mm-hmm. But I think Ryan is more the blank guy things throughout the series than anybody, anybody else. Anybody else. That is a good point. He's fire guy. He's fired guy. Yeah. He's uh, the Rye guy. Ryan from Woof. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. <laughs> He's there's a little, and I'm sure that there's plenty more that I'm not thinking of at the moment. But yeah. Certainly leaves his mark. It's a good point. It's true. Yeah. I think after at a certain point he accepts his fate. Yeah. In a in a sense. Mm-hmm. So everyone's in the parking lot. Jim decides that. He's going to take control of today's activities, Mm -hmm. gathers everybody around and says, we're going to play some games. First game is, what three books would you bring if you were stranded on a desert island? Second game is, who would you do? And then Pam suggests, would you rather for Mm -hmm. the third game? All classics. Yep. (laughs) So what three books would you bring to a desert island, Rob? How did I know you were going to do this? I don't know. You know you've known me for a long time. <laughs> Oddly, maybe as for nostalgia's sake and just like a weird creature comfort kind of thing, I think book number one would be Ender's Game. Ooh. Yeah. Nice one. It's funny. I think that book helped me form a relatively accurate understanding of politics because of Ender's brother and sister you know, going on forums and writing articles. and Yeah, they had an interesting take on it. They did. And they were both on opposing teams just trying to, like, stir stuff up and, like, mm-hmm. expand the conversation. I thought that was kind of cool. Locke and Demonthesis, I think? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've read it. But, yeah, that and, like, the game Ender plays on his pad. Like, that was, like, oh, a yeah, really giant. cool, trippy, weird, like, game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I really like that book. Yeah, it's a fun book. I loved it. The movie was atrocious. Yeah, I I saw it. I didn't think it was as terrible as everyone else seemed to, but it certainly wasn't good. Yeah, I just, I don't think the director, producers, whatever, did a very good job capturing the feel of the book. No. And from what other stuff I've seen of Orson Scott Card and his works and just him, I feel like that book almost seems like a weird outlier among like his works, too. Yeah. I, I wonder if they even could, would have done a better job capturing it if he was directly involved in some way. Maybe. See, so going either way. It was definitely the most accessible book in mm-hmm. the series. I don't, think I've, I don't think I've read anything of his outside of that series. but Yeah, I've read a lot of the books in the series when I was younger. Yeah, but me too. I don't know if I read anything outside either. Second book would probably be Still Life with Woodpecker. Okay, I never read that. You never read that? No. Oh, man. Tom Robbins wrote oh. that. Yeah. Really good book. 
as I was reading through it the first time, I was in, it was my first time in Seattle, which is where the story takes place. I didn't realize that the story took place in Seattle when I started the book. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of surreal being in a car or van or taxi, whatever, reading landmarks in like different parts of the city and like looking up at street signs and like seeing those oh, names that's and stuff. Awesome. Like uh, the Puget Sound comes up a lot in the book. Like mm-hmm. I think the the main character's room, like her room looked out over the Puget Sound or something. And Very cool. Yeah. And my third book, you know, part of me wants to say American Gods. But I feel like that's one of those books that you, you read it one time. I don't know how much more you get upon a second or third read. So I don't know if that would be my pick. Okay. Well, it's not a bad grouping. I like it. Yeah, okay. But I'll, I'll, leave, well, I'll leave it at that. No, it's fine. <laughs> if you have another one that you'd propose instead. I, I can't. <sighs> Maybe I'll go with, with Dwight's pick and say the physician's desk reference. Haul it out? Well, no, not haul it out. Iodide tablets. <laughs> no, yeah, not haul it out. I'd actually want the desk reference and just in case anything happened to me. Yeah, I think that's a smart way to go. <laughs> On the island where I needed to, like, treat myself medically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, there you go. Those are my three books. What about you? So I think I also uh, had the idea that I would take Dwight's idea of the non hollowed out physician's desk reference because okay. that is just good sense. Right. I think I would also take uh, The Art of Shen Ku by Zeke. Mm. Even though I have no idea what happened to the copy I used to own of it because uh, it has like a pretty big herbalist guide. So I feel like that could be helpful if you're stranded on an island. Oh, interesting. Yeah, in terms of edible things and things that could be used as medicine and warning Things that could be poisonous. Okay, but your last book can't be practical. No, it won't be. Okay. I would pick Infinite Jest because I've owned it for years. I have never opened it. (laughs) And I think that if I was stuck in an island for years, I might still not finish it. (laughs) So that'd be my third pick. Okay, that's that's a good pick. And whoever finds me on the island will be like, hey, look at that. That person's a pretentious intellectual. (laughs) (laughs) And practical. And practical, besides that. <laughs> and maybe if I'm stuck on the desert island for a really long time, it could, uh, well, no, never mind. I'm not going to say it. Too dark for the podcast. Okay. <laughs> uh, so before they get started with the game, the fire department shows up, and Dwight does like a jumping fist pump, like, yeah! I love that. I know. It's I so lo- good. He does that throughout the whole series whenever any uniformed authority figures show up. When cops come to the office in that one episode, I think he does the exact same move. Jumps up, pumps his fist. Well, as we learn, he responds to authority. Yes. <laughs> so the fire department shows up. They all go into the building to fight the fire. Yep. And the game begins, and they start with Angela. Angela decides that she would bring the Bible. Mm-hmm. Doesn't venture any further until someone presses her for the second book. And then she says, a purpose-driven life, and refuses to name a third book. Do you know what a purpose-driven life is? Because I don't. I don't. I assume it may it's be a book of an, either an inspirational Christian book or maybe a book of Christian allegories. Just knowing Angela, that's my guess. Mm. And the title. So it's a book... Written by Rick Warren. It has a subtext. It's a Bible right. study. Well, that checks out 100% for Angela. Yes, indeed. 
I like it. She takes the Bible and a book on how to study the Bible. It's pragmatic. Yeah. I'll give her that. Yeah. Uh, and then we move on to Phyllis. Phyllis decides that she would bring the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> so would Angela. <laughs> Angela chimes in and says, oh, yeah, the Da Vinci Code. I would bring the Da Vinci Code, too, so I could burn it. Yeah, smart move. That'll keep you warm for like seven <laughs> seconds. <laughs> so Dwight says that as he's saying it. He's just handing Stanley the fire extinguisher. Yep, he and, shoves it into his arms. Stanley kind of looks at him like, what are you doing? But ends up just taking the fire extinguisher anyway. He looks very irritated as he's holding it <laughs> yeah. and shifting it from arm to arm. I would be too. <laughs> but he does take it. Yeah. So Jim steps in. He's like, Dwight, you can't take an axe. You can only take books. Dwight's like, okay, fine. I would take the physician's desk reference. Before he moves on, Jim's like, oh, smart. That's good. And then he was like, but hollowed out. And inside would be waterproof matches, iodine tablets, beet seeds, protein bars, and a NASA blanket. (laughs) And And he would also take Harry Potter's The Sorcerer's Stone. Wait. No, wait. Prisoner of Azkaban. Prisoner of Azkaban. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good choice. Yeah. I think that might... That might be my favorite Harry Potter book, actually. Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, really? You know, I love I love the movies. I still haven't read the books. Wow. I know. And no. And everyone tells me that the might books, be too late. The books are way better. Oh, really? I mean, I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, I haven't not read them again for the most part, but I started, I think I read the first Harry Potter book when I was around 11 or 12, like pretty much the age of Harry Potter, and it blew right. my mind then. Yeah. My um, sister started reading them know. as they came out, and I've always been, I've been like kicking myself that I didn't read them with her. But I think I was like of the age where it was like, you know, you're a kid, so whatever your little sister's doing is lame. Uh huh. Sorry, Laurel. No, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I uh, first started reading Harry Potter, and I think we were like 11 when the first one came out. Yeah, that sounds right. I felt like there was like some weird social pressure that it was lame when I started doing it too, and I was trying to like hide it from people. Like, yeah. I was just like having it in my backpack. But then I remember people like in my class saw me with it and didn't know what it was and were asking about it, and then everybody was reading it. Not that I started it, but I think that like <laughs> – the Dan- cultural zeitgeist just took place like while I was reading it, you know. Right. Like, suddenly, everybody like, yeah, it wasn't yeah. at all that somebody was like, "What's Dan reading? Let's all get that book." It was, <laughs> and then everyone across the country. <laughs> no, but I, uh, I feel like I remember I was like the only person I knew that was reading it, and then suddenly everybody, even the people that didn't seem likely to be reading it in my class, were all reading. We're all reading, it. It, and yeah. I wasn't friends with most of these people, so it clearly had nothing to do with me. But. Yeah, it's funny. uh it, we must have just been at that age where, like, what you like defines who you are. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it still does to an extent, I guess. Well, yeah. I mean, there's other defining factors. Right. But maybe as a kid, uh, like personality is not fleshed out right. enough put, that there are that many other factors. There's a lot of focus on, yeah. on that stuff. Your personality can is still changing a lot. Right. Yeah, it's true. So following this, we get rule number four. We skipped over rule number three. We never got to see what that was. Oh, I never even thought about that. Yeah. Catch. Yeah. Huh. So we go straight to rule number four. In business, image is everything. <laughs> Andre Agassi. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did not watch it, but I uh, put a link in my notes 
to uh, an article about the Andre Agassi ad that that is referencing. Oh, really? Yeah, because I, I figured that had to be from something, and I wasn't sure. Yeah. it's uh, I think Andre Agassi is a pro tennis player. Right. And yeah, it was an ad campaign from, I think, the late 80s. Okay. The tagline was, image is everything. Yeah, I remember, I mean, Andre Agassi at, the, at that time was like uh, essentially the Dennis Rodman of tennis. Uh uh-huh. where he just he wore like interesting he wore like neon clothes and had long hair and like always was scruffy Gosh. and at the time tennis was like a well-to-do rich white people sport gotcha yeah so he kind of rocked the boat back yeah. then and except for the white part pretty sure well <laughs> but, yeah yeah i mean i'm just you know he wasn't posh like the rest of them exactly yeah so part of michael's image is his Sebring that he is so <laughs> proud of. And really, his Sebring was an investment because when people see him around town or he takes a client around town, they see him in the Sebring. Mm-hmm. And they love it. <laughs> Do you love it, Ryan? <laughs> Ryan, like, pauses, has, like, an awkward look on his face, kind of stares at the car for a second. And he's just like, yeah. <laughs> It's also funny that Michael refers to it as an investment because we find out later it's not his investment. It's a company right. lease. I think he was putting on a show for Ryan. Oh, 100%. Yeah. He's yeah. trying to impress him. Right. So then we get a, a quick shot of the warehouse guys just on the side of the building right outside their bay door. Mm-hmm. Seemingly drinking beer, I guess we assume. Were they drinking? I didn't catch that. Well, they're, they're drinking out of bottles and then smashing the bottles into the ground. Interesting. Oh, you didn't even catch that part? No, oh, okay. I caught the smashing the bottles, but I didn't Yeah. I didn't think about them being beer bottles, I guess. Mm. I assumed that's what it was. I mean, I could be wrong. Yeah, either way. Yeah. Be kind of dangerous for people working with industrial equipment like the warehouse guys to be drinking beer on the job. That was my thought. That's why it didn't occur to me. Yeah. You gonna drink beer and then mess with the baler? <laughs> right, exactly. Or a forklift. <laughs> but anyway. We go back to the office crew. Jim's kind of like, okay, well, not many people have read that many books, so let's change it to DVDs. <laughs> what five movies would you bring if you were stranded on a desert island? And Meredith goes first. She says, Legends of the Fall, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, Bridges of Madison County, Legally Blonde, <laughs> and Ghost. And it cuts to... Only that scene of the, the pottery. <laughs> right, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Meredith like reenacts like the pottery scene and yep. ghost and is just Phyllis is nodding approvally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <In> approval. <laughs> Phyllis is watching her almost like she's watching the actual scene in the yep. movie. It's hilarious. <laughs> so then we get a cut to Jim and Pam sitting in front of the fire truck, kind of poking fun at Meredith's picks. And as Jim is running down her list and gets to legally blonde, Pam starts to cut in to say, actually I, I kind of like legally blonde and Jim's like, Pam, 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 Pam. <laughs> this is the five movies you bring if you're stranded on a desert island. Like, that's the game. Mm-hmm. And she takes it back. The rest of your life. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun little cute scene of them. Yeah. Goofing off. And it has implications for later in the episode. So mm-hmm. uh, we cut back to Ryan, Michael, and Dwight. They're all standing by Ryan's car. And for a brief second, you actually can see 
some of the studio lighting and the camera guy behind the fire truck as like the camera's panning around them standing by Ryan's car. Mm-hmm. But you don't really notice it because of the fire truck and the firemen running around. It almost kind of looks like it's not out of place. Yeah. Yeah. This was my first time noticing it. Yeah, I, I didn't notice it. Oh, there you go. Michael notices a bunch of big books in the back of Ryan's car, and, you know, Ryan t- says they're, it's what he's studying in business school, and Michael's like, oh, well, quiz me. Let's see what you got. <laughs> and we have a clip. Oh, yeah. Quiz me up. All right. Um, why have people been rethinking the Microsoft model in the past few years? When I was Ryan's age, I worked in a fast food restaurant to save up money for school. And then I lost it in a pyramid scheme. But I learned more about business right then and there than business school would ever teach me or Ryan would ever teach me. (laughs) And you know what's funny? What's that? We find out later that Michael hadn't really learned his lesson from the pyramid scheme. That's true. (laughs) At least he was able to be talked out of it before too much damage was done, presumably. Right. I mean, I don't know how much money he could have saved up working at the fast food joint. And I guess the pyramid scheme is what we hear about more in detail of the deleted scene, except he doesn't refer to it as that when he says that he sold knives that could literally cut through a penny. Oh, right. Huh. Yeah. I guess I'd yeah I didn't re- I didn't realize what he was referencing there, but that makes sense. No offense to any knife salespeople or Cutco representatives that make a good living off that and don't consider it to be a pyramid scheme. <laughs> if no, you of exist. course not. I mean, you know, not everybody in a pyramid scheme is suffering. That's <laughs> true. There's one person that's <laughs> doing quite well for themselves, and you could argue that like maybe. 10 people below that one person are doing pretty all right themselves. That's probably true. Yeah. yeah. I don't really know how these companies work, but... I wouldn't want to be a part of I one. I imagine most people aren't doing too great. No, it's true. Yeah. So, uh, Michael obviously didn't get that first question about why people are rethinking the Microsoft model. No. Ryan asks another question. Is it more expensive to sign on a new client or... To hold on to the ones you already have. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of surprising that Michael wouldn't know the answer to this one. Kind of is. I mean, Dwight even knew the answer yeah, to Dwight this Yeah, Dwight instantly knows the And it seems like the answer, even if you don't know anything about business or clients or signing people to anything, kind of common sense can bring you to the answer of this question. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Uh, but not Michael. Yeah. So Michael answers, uh, it's about the same, 50-50. <laughs> Ten times more expensive to sign a new client. That's right. Dwight backs Michael up and he's like, you know, Michael went to the school of hard knocks. He didn't need college. Yeah. <laughs> Is that when he starts goofing off with Ryan? Well, it's not even with Ryan, goofing off on Ryan. Play fighting with him. Yeah, he starts doing his karate. I love yeah. Dwight whenever he does karate, all the sound effects he does. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, Michael then backs Ryan up, and he's like, you know what, Dwight? Ryan is a valued member of our office, and he he knows more about business than you ever will. <laughs> Dwight, of course, is completely crushed, and he storms off. We get a talking head with Michael, and he's like, 
You know who else didn't go to college? LeBron James, <laughs> Tracy McGrady, Kobe Bryant. They went straight out of high school to the NBA. Not that this is the same thing, but, you know. <laughs> this is the way he says it. He's like, so so it's not the same at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. So then we cut to Ryan and Michael sitting in the back seat of Ryan's car, going over Ryan's business class books. I feel like I feel I, the, all the times I've seen this scene, I feel physically uncomfortable oh, watching yeah. it. Like just imagining like the heat, yeah, and just the stickiness. <laughs> yeah, because maybe I'm putting a Florida spin on it, but you're, but yeah, you're still sitting in the back of a motionless car. Yeah. So there's no. Yeah, there's no movement of air. It certainly wasn't windy out that day because the shot is actually through some vines that are growing on a fence. And, like, those leaves aren't moving at all. Nope. <laughs> and uh, just being in that close quarters with someone and only someone that, like, you don't like or want to be near right. really at all. And the power dynamic is that mm -hmm. of, you know, the person you're in there with signs your paychecks. So you've got to keep them happy to an extent. Yep. So Michael's like asking Ryan some questions about the book and is impressed with his knowledge and says, you should be teaching me. You're so smart. You are so, so effing smart. smart. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, he talks about how he tries to relate more to his employees. But well, not yet. Oh, that's that. Yeah. Later. So first we cut to Pam and she's back in the group playing their desert island game. Mm -hmm. And uh, Pam's picks are Fargo, Edward Scissorhands. Dazed and confused. Ooh, that's in my top five, too. Well, it's in my top three, so suck it. <gasps> <laughs> Breakfast Club and Princess Bride. And then she tries to rattle off another one, which is her all-time favorite. But Jim doesn't let her because he's like, nope, only five. You got to play by the rules, Pam. Yep. I want to know what her favorite movie is. Yeah, me too. Damn it, Jim. As he's stopping her, we hear a clicking sound and the camera pans over. And there's Dwight, like, jump-kicking a van-accessible sign on the side of the of the building. Yep. <laughs> I assume that it was by the handicap spot. Yeah, I, I took that to be basically a handicap. Right, sign. Sign. Right. A different way of saying it. Actually, when I was making these notes, I initially called it out as a handicap sign. Ah, okay, there you but go. But then I went through the episode, and I was like, oh, no, it says van-accessible. But, but I feel I, like that's the same thing, basically. Yeah. So Dwight seems to be doing this out of frustration from what just happened, but I don't think Jim knows that. And uh, he asks Dwight, Dwight, what's your all-time favorite movie? And Dwight just kind of like throws his hand out, schluffs it away. <laughs> and then a couple seconds later, you hear him go, The Crow. Yep. All I know is that Bruce Lee's son dies during yeah. the filmmaking. Yeah. He died in an accident with a blank. Right. And they kept that scene in the, in the film, if mm -hmm. I remember correctly. And then all the scenes he was in after that, he was just shot from afar. It's obviously not him. Oh, interesting. I wondered about that. I was wondering if it was the last scene they shot of the movie, but I guess not. Yeah, I mean, and the character is covered in so much makeup. I mean, he's completely painted white, and he's covered head to toe in black leather, and he's got long black hair that covers most of his head. Oh, so okay. as far as characters you can replace go, they kind of got off easy with that one. Yeah. Wow. Besides the accidental death, obviously. <laughs> right. Man, it's amazing they continued. Mm -hmm. I feel like cast and crew would 
would be too devastated to do so, but... Well, your devastation doesn't really matter a lot when other people's millions and millions of dollars are on the line. That's a good point, yeah. You got contracts and whatnot. Yeah. Damn. It's a cutthroat industry. And then we have uh, another shot of Ryan and Michael in the car. (laughs) I became a salesman because of people. I love making friends. But then I was promoted to manager at a very young age. I still try to be a friend first, but, you know, when you're very successful, your coworkers look at you differently. Uh, what do you think? Maybe we should get some air. I'm okay. I'm really uncomfortable. What do you think? Uh, I think we should get out and get some air. (laughs) I'm good. I feel really uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. I feel like Michael's almost like breathing into his mouth at that. They're just so physically close to one another. I know. And why? (laughs) Whose idea was it? It had to be Michael's idea to sit. Of course it was Michael's idea. I'll show you the magic of the Sebring. Sit in the back seat with me. We can talk no, about they're it. in the back of Ryan's car because they have all of his business books. Back oh, there. that's right. Yeah. So he, he wanted to see him, I guess. And then yeah. he just hopped in and said, come in here with me. Show me this. <laughs> right. <laughs> he just wants to be in an intimate situation with Ryan. <laughs> Desperately, seemingly. Oh, yeah. So we cut back to the crew. Mm-hmm. And it's time to move on to the main event. The game, Who Would You Do? Pam. <laughs> yeah. Kevin immediately, or no, Kevin says, present company excluded. And Jim's like, well, oh, that's n- right. I messed up. <laughs> no, not necessarily. And then Kevin's like, Pam. And, and then Oscar immediately chimes in with Pam as well. But I will, I mean, I was reading that that's inconsistent with Oscar's character. Yeah, but, I disagreed with that assessment. Yeah. I think that, I mean, well, the second part of their hypothesis was, I felt like more accurate that, you know, he's in the closet. Right. So he's just kind of jumping onto the group consensus of like, right. Who's everyone saying Pam? Also the group being Pam. Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, let's be honest here. What are his other options, really? Yeah, Oscar would definitely not say Angela. Nope. I couldn't see Oscar saying Meredith or Phyllis. Maybe Kelly. I don't know why you'd rule Kelly out. Uh, yeah, I didn't really think about her. You know? I don't think she's had enough lines for me to have considered her up to this point. That's true. She has not been a very big part of the show mm-hmm. yet. But yeah, although as we do get to know Kelly, I feel like her personality runs, assuming Oscar was straight, her personality is completely contrary to his on every single level. Right. And even after Oscar comes out of the closet, he's not the type of gay man to get caught up in Hollywood gossip. No. Which is like Kelly tells him, he really has to learn about his culture. (laughs) That's right. How much do you love Lance Bass now? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Uh. So, yeah, when Oscar says Pam, it's definitely, like, there's, like, a nervousness and, like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. He says it a little too quickly. He does. Like, Kevin says it because, clearly, Kevin has just been thinking about that for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And he is just an inappropriate person, but, yeah. Right. Oscar, it's a little awkward. I, I, I shudder at the thought of what it would be like if late seasons Toby was in that group. Oof. <laughs> yeah. That would have been bad. Yeah. It's funny because we don't see season Toby. We don't see Toby in the parking lot 
pretty much at all this episode, but there was the deleted scene. There's a couple scenes where we do see him, but he's always in the background talking to other groups that are not in focus. Okay, yeah. I feel like we see him talking to Kevin and Stanley at one point. Mm -hmm. But that's about it that I can think of. Devin and Creed are also in the background, but they never have any... Yeah, they're in the background of the main group. Yeah. And they react to things with their expressions at numerous points, but they never say anything. Never have any lines. Devin's wearing, like... Sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah. Do you notice what Kevin is wearing, by the way? No. Tweed jacket. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that was the day, the fateful day? (laughs) I feel a need. A need for tweed. A need for tweed. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I didn't catch that. So Jim reacts to Kevin and Oscar quickly saying, Pam, kind of like, well, maybe I should go over the rules one more time and, you know, kind of iron this out. Mm Mm-hmm. Before he can finish, Dwight starts blaring Everybody Hurts from his car. <laughs> yes. Across the parking lot. Extremely loud. Yeah. So Jim passes off the game to Stanley to complete. Seems a little confused. He Especially is. since Jim left him off at a point where he said, well, hang on, let me explain the rules. He doesn't <laughs> seem to necessarily know no. what he's going to say next. I think he just did that to... Make Pam feel a little less immediately harassed by everybody in that circle. Exactly. And uh, and then he fortunately gets called away. So now it's up to Stanley to <laughs> and fill everyone in on what Jim's rules are. Right. And Stanley doesn't seem to fill anybody in on the rules because the next time we see them playing the game, they're still naming people that are standing in the circle. Jim and Pam walk over to Dwight in his car, listening <laughs> to Everybody Hurts. Use your words, Dwight. Yeah. <laughs> They're trying to ask him what's going on, and Dwight just turns up the music to drown them out. (laughs) Jim pleads, Dwight, just use your words. (laughs) Dwight. Jealous of Ryan. Yeah, is very jealous of all of the attention that Michael is giving Ryan. Mm -hmm. Says that he hopes the war goes on forever and that Ryan gets drafted. (laughs) He doesn't really mean that. He's like, no, I don't really mean that. Only part of me meant it. And Pam's like, well, why don't you tell Ryan that you're a volunteer? I think she proposes that he would be jealous. He's probably jealous that Dwight's a volunteer. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, I don't even think he knows that. Well, you should tell him. (laughs) Yeah, Pam, we're just going to talk it out and everything's going to be fine. (laughs) And Jim, Jim's like, Dwight, you know what you should do? Quit. (laughs) Crosses his fingers above Dwight's car. He's like. You should quit, because that would really stick it to the both of them. <laughs> Dwight's just like, no, no, I just need some time. He He's genuinely appreciative of their help. Oh. And he thanks them for right. coming over to talk, and he actually holds Pat, Pam's hand for a second. Her hand is on the rim of his window. And That's true. He puts his hand over it, and then she puts her other hand over his, <laughs> and then he pulls it away, saying he just needs to be alone. Right. He rolls the window up. Right. Yeah, before I, I've noticed that I feel like that's the first time we kind of see them goofing off with Dwight, where even though they're making fun of him a little bit behind his back and kind of, I mean, not sincerely trying to get him to quit, but just, you know, why not? Yeah, we're here. Stab in the dark. But I feel like it's the first time we see them goofing around with Dwight where it's not just pranking him. Right, like a pre planned yeah, prank. It's yeah, it's slightly at his expense, but I feel like they are genuinely like kind of comforting him too to an extent and he seems to pick up on just that part of it it's true 
But as soon as he rolls up the window and they start walking away, they just both yeah. laugh about it. But they're also like cheering. It I I always I kind of wonder what that reaction is. Like it seems like they're both oh. just like enjoying that they had that interaction with him. To me, it was always just like, can you believe that Dwight's upset over Michael? I think that's part Ryan of it, but I feel like yeah. it might also just be like the conversation that they actually kind of yeah. had like a connection with Dwight for a bit. Yeah, fair enough. And I can Dwight's see that. nuts, so that's entertaining. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I feel like it's like, it makes me think of like in season nine when they do Belschnickel Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dwight and Pam are the ones really pushing that along and they're over the moon for a chance to do it. Right. Because Dwight is ridiculous and hilarious and weird and that brings them joy. Even if it's not for the reasons Dwight necessarily wants. Yeah, that's true. Everyone just thought Belschnickel was a darkly erotic freak. <laughs> so as Jim and Pam are walking away from Dwight's car, Roy walks over. He's like, hey, do you mind if I hang out with you guys for a minute? The warehouse workers can be real jackasses sometimes. Mm-hmm. I guess they agree. They walk up to the game that everyone's playing, and Ryan and Michael also walk up at the time the game is taking place. Michael's like, oh, what game are you guys playing? And Stanley's like, oh, it's who would you do? And Michael's <laughs> like, oh, 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 my God. I play this game almost every night as I'm falling asleep. <laughs> and, All the women look and, yeah, Angela, exactly as you would expect them to. <laughs> Angela and Phyllis are just like, oh, God. <laughs> First, they ask Jim. Roy. No, they, no, ask, they Roy. ask Roy. Yeah, they're like, Roy, who would you do? And he's like, who's that tight-ass Christian chick, the blonde? (laughs) And Angela's like, "Uh, my name's Angela. And Roy kind of leans into the group. He's like, oh, hey, Angela. My name's Roy. Nice to meet you. I'm surprised Pam doesn't, you know, say something at this point. But She definitely gives him a look. Yeah. And they quickly move on to Jim. And they're like, Jim, who would you do? Jim is like... I feel like Pam looks fearful, too, the second. Oh, that's very true. Yeah, yeah Pam. looks very uncomfortable and nervous. Yeah, it's true. I think Jim recognizes that, even if it's 100%. just for a brief second. And he, he's and like, I think even if he didn't see it, he still would have gone the way he goes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And he just says, oh, Kevin, hands down. Yep. <laughs> you know, he's got that teddy bear thing going on. And, you know, afterwards, we could, you know, watch Bullock. <laughs> Kevin kind of gives a little smirk. Yeah. Stanley finds that one really funny. I, I like that this is the first of at least a couple times we see Jim deflect fake affections onto Kevin as a way to avoid talking about something uncomfortable involving Pam. Oh, when else does he do it? It happens in season three when he's in New York with Karen and they're discussing what they would do if either one of them gets the job at corporate. And she asks Jim if he would move to New York to be with her. And he's like, and she says, we can't stay in Scranton. There's one too many people there. And Jim says, you mean Kevin? You mean Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, I love it. She says, yeah. <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> Poor Kev. Uh, so then it's Michael's turn. And Michael says, I would totally have sex with Ryan. <laughs> Because, you know, he's going to own his biz- his own business one day. Roy finds this hilarious. Yeah, Roy's like, you're all gay. It's a big 12-year-old. <laughs> and Ryan gets a call on his cell phone, and he seems very relieved at the opportunity yeah, to I find can talk, the- I can talk, I can talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just very happy to get away from Michael for a little bit. 
it makes me think of Daryl making the phone call, uh, <laughs> the unsuccessful phone call when Michael and Holly are breaking up in the moving van. Yeah. <laughs> Michael starts crying and screaming. Hey, you remember that story you told me about you met up with that girl you used to babysit? <laughs> call me back. <laughs> you got this. Call me back. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Uh this point, Michael points out, he's like, oh, I wish I had my phone. I left it up in the in my office. That would make you happy? And Dwight, yeah. Dwight runs up. He's like, would that make you happy if you had your phone? And Michael's like, well, uh, yeah. And Dwight's like, I got it. And he, like, runs into the office. And it's really funny. As I was uh, taking notes for this episode, I paused the screen. And it's, like, maybe the last frame you see Dwight's face before he's off camera. <laughs> And he is just like, I've never seen a man with a more serious look on his face. <laughs> it's so good. That's great. Yeah. The man is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Michael says, calls him an idiot. And Kevin's like, what if he dies, that's the last thing you ever said to him. <laughs> and the, yeah. There you go. I didn't say it to him. I said <laughs> it about him. <laughs> he wasn't even here. <laughs> So here's where we get the scene where the girls find themselves in a sequestered group by chance. And mm-hmm. they're continuing to play the game, who would you do? And it seems to be a consensus among the women that Jim is the one they would do. Oh, yeah. Instantly, they all answer yeah. Jim. Jim, like definitely Jim. Pam, yeah. Except for Pam. Right. Yeah, Pam doesn't answer Jim. She goes, uh, well, Oscar's kind of cute. Phyllis agrees. Uh Yeah, I like Oscar. And then she goes, ooh, Toby. I love Phyllis's reaction to (laughs) that. (laughs) She scrunches her nose and just kind of like shakes her head no. But then you look over at Meredith, and Meredith's just got this grin on her face, and she's nodding her head yes incessantly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I I don't know who you could call out that Meredith would turn her nose up at. I mean, we know that she hooked up with Creed, so. Right. Nobody. Nobody, exactly. And there's the episode, I guess, if we're going to compare just like from a purely superficial level who would be considered the least desirable in the office, there's also an episode where Kevin, if you ever listen to this, Brian Baumgartner, I love you, <laughs> but uh, where he uh, agrees to kiss Meredith for uh, to try to get cookies, I think, <laughs> sold right. to him after he's manipulating Toby and Daryl all day. Right. Meredith seems taken aback for the first couple kisses, but then is very into it. Oh, yeah. That's and I true. think we see her make moves on everyone in the office except for Ryan. Surprisingly. Yeah. Well, he's a little young for her. Maybe she gets that, too. Just not attracted to him. That's possible. Not his type. I feel like she, I mean, she talks multiple times about her ideal preferences being a well-hung, attractive man in his 40s. Yeah. So It's also worth noting that as they were playing the game on their own, Kevin was standing just outside of their circle. Poor Kev. Is there anyone we forgot about? Yeah, (laughs) eavesdropping on the girls. and Yeah. Someone's like, is there anyone we forgot about? And Kevin's just kind of like glancing over and clears his throat, (laughs) hoping that he's called out. Although he has a fiance. That's true, but... But pride, yeah. So at this point, Jim gets a call from Katie, says they're playing the Desert Island game, and we see Michael starting to genuinely worry about Dwight and how long he's taking in the in the office that's on fire. And then he finds his phone in his pocket. Yeah, he has Ryan. He's, he asks Ryan, he's like, hey, can you call my cell phone? 
And Ryan's like kind of fumbling with his phone. He's like, oh, what, what's the number again? I just gave it to you. <laughs> it's like, I just, I watched you program it into your phone. And Michael's like, Ryan's like, yeah, you're, you're going to have to give it to me again. <laughs> so Michael takes his phone, dials his own number and calls it. Ryan's like, okay, well now I got it. <laughs> and then Michael's phone starts ringing in his jacket pocket, which means it wasn't up in his office. The ringtone is like a MIDI version of Mambo Number no. 5. Of course. <laughs> yeah. It's very appropriate for Michael. Of course, Michael's like devastated that he sent Dwight on a fool's errand in a burning building. <laughs> and he's like, I need to tell somebody. So he goes to run over to the firefighters. But before he gets there, Dwight emerges. He's got something behind his back. He has an announcement for everybody. And he's coughing a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I have an announcement. Apparently, in business school, they don't teach you how to operate a toaster oven because some smart, sexy temp left his cheese pita on oven instead of timing it for the toaster thing. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, I guess they don't teach how to operate a toaster oven in business school. That's exactly what I said. Hey, did you miss that day there, Ryan? Were you absent? Toaster oven 101. You failed? I'm so sorry. (laughs) I love that you can hear... Michael, as he slowly repeats what Dwight said, word by word, searching for another thing to say or way to phrase it, and just yeah, coming up with nothing. <laughs> I also like that Dwight threw the word sexy while yep. he was describing the temp. Smart, sexy temp. Smart, sexy temp. <laughs> Doesn't know how to use a toaster oven. Oh, uh, that's hilarious. I think Dwight would feel a lot better if Michael considered him to be the sexiest man in the office. Probably. <laughs> I mean, we do hear Dwight later in the series saying very matter-of-factly, <laughs> men find me desirable. Men find me desirable. <laughs> was Michael's response of, of course they do, Dwight. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good day. I'm wearing my mustard shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Which we were talking about earlier. We yeah, don't we this don't might be the first Yeah, we don't know for sure, but we think at least this is the first time we've noticed that Dwight is wearing his iconic mustard shirt. Mm-hmm. One always, of one of many. I know that whether or not his shirts have been mustard in the past, they have always been short sleeve dress shirts. Oh yeah, yeah. I also noticed uh this is not anything to do with this episode, but from rewatching other episodes, in the episode where uh Dwight thinks he's going to be the manager and he's interviewing potential number twos. When he interviews Andy, we see Andy go from being dressed the way he's normally dressed in the beginning of the episode to right before their interview, suddenly Andy is wearing a short sleeve dress shirt that's yellow at his desk. That's amazing. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I never caught that. Me neither. (laughs) Until this last viewing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love it. So at this point, Katie shows up and she wants to take part in the Desert Island movie game. Mm-hmm. And she only gets through one movie, and that's Legally Blonde. Yep. And you hear Pam laugh. Even though Pam would have also picked that if Jim didn't tell her to change it. Maybe. I don't know if she would have picked it as one of her Desert Island movies. I think she was only trying to argue that she really likes the movie. Uh-huh. But the- I like how judgmental scene. she is about Katie for liking a movie that she likes. Well... It's more that she just finds it funny because Jim is dating Katie. 
Well, no, I understand. Yeah, I know you understand. But yeah, I mean, that's, I don't think she's judging Katie as much as she just is judging Jim in a sense for giving her shit for liking Legally Blonde. What about the talking head we get from Pam in like three seconds, though, where she's like, I forgot what a nice, nice person Katie is. Yeah. I still don't think that I think nice is a synonym for stupid. Well, at least in her, in I, that moment for her. I disagree because Pam really? also likes that movie. Yeah, but I, I think that Pam has conveniently forgotten that she brought up that movie. I don't think just, so. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we disagree. I just don't yeah. think that's the case. Okay. So, yeah, we get a talking head with Pam. Pam's just like, uh, oh, I forgot what a nice, nice girl Katie is. I'm really happy for Jim. Mm hmm. And then she aggressively makes that with Roy in the background. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say aggressively. Just grabs him and brings him in for a kiss. More aggressive than usual for Pam. Maybe. She does a similar thing during the basketball episode before they play. Yeah. I would I say that was, was actually, I think that was more for aggressive. For Jim's benefit, maybe both times to an extent. Oh, that's a good point. That was my takeaway. I also feel like just the way she laughed before Katie's even done saying the words legally blonde, it's a very right. condescending laugh. No, you're right. I agree. I Pam agree with that. Is kind of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love Pam. So yeah, Jim cuts her short after Legally Blonde. They go to leave for lunch. Jim's getting in the driver's seat mm -hmm. and looks over and Pam pulls in Roy for a kiss. And Katie's watching them and points out like, oh, they're so cute. Yep. Yeah. And Pam also insulted her car in that talking head too, now that I'm thinking of it. Said what oh, yeah. a cute car she has. Which is weird, because it's just like a, a Jetta. Yeah, and I also think it's funny, because if I remember correctly, when Pam gets a new car later in the series, I feel like it's, if not the same car, it's very similar. That's true. Yeah. Maybe you're right. I think it might be I think it's Jetta. just jealousy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. She's just picking her apart however she can. Right. We cut to Kevin and Dwight. They're kind of razzing Ryan. Mm-hmm. We're starting the fire and fire guy fire guy <laughs> and then we cut to dwight singing the billy joel song yep ryan started the fire <laughs> joe mccarthy richard nixon studebaker television north korea south korea maryland monroe ryan started the fire <laughs> <laughs> i love it's how obnoxious he's being Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's valid, I guess, considering how he's been feeling the entire episode. You know, I didn't think about this until right now, uh -huh. which I guess is one of the benefits of doing a podcast like this. Yeah. But the plot with Michael, Ryan, and Dwight directly parallels the B plot with Jim, Pam, and Katie. Just in a much uh. more less intense, in-your-face way of going about it. Yeah. It's almost the exact same dynamics that we're seeing to an extent that's interesting i didn't think of that either that's no true. it never occurred to me until just like us discussing it yeah kind of laying them both out side by side right ah. yeah it does mirror one another yeah one person getting overly aggressive with the perception of someone else stepping in on their turf right be it their uh -huh. active turf or their kind of held on reserve turf yeah yeah the case may be i like it yeah that ken quippy <laughs> <laughs> and bj novak and now we finally get our last rule of business. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> which is safety first. So don't burn down the building. It's kind of a no-brainer. <laughs> and uh, we get a talking head with Michael. 
Michael's laughing that Ryan set the building on fire, and he's like, you know, Ryan's book smart, and I'm street smart. <laughs> and book smart. <laughs> you know, we see Michael walking into the building with Ryan at the very end. He's just like, I'll give you the rest of the rules of business tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. So he does end up asking for that extension. Yeah, he does. So there's a deleted <laughs> scene where uh, Michael's trying to come up with his 10 rules, kind of like painted himself into a corner. Uh-huh. Dwight's helping him. <laughs> right. Dwight suggests to Michael, like, oh, maybe you should just ask Ryan for an extension <laughs> on, on your 10 rules of business. I'm not going to ask a temp <laughs> extension. Yeah. Unless I really need it. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Yep. Yeah. Dwight wants him to make like a logic game, like trickster rules, you know? Rule four is C rule five. Rule five is C rule four. <laughs> yeah, that's right. One of them is kill or be killed. <laughs> yeah. Shoot to kill and sh- kill to kill shoot. Kill to shoot. <laughs> Not sure what that means. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. And awesome. yeah, that's the episode. That's it. Yeah. Credits roll. Should we move on to ratings? Ratings. Ratings. <laughs> Did I go first last week? I did. I think you might have. It's your turn now. Dan's in the hot seat. Put me on the spot. Boom. Oh, man. Let's see. Ratings for the fire. I think I am going to give this episode hmm, seven and a half bridges of Madison County <laughs> out of ten. Bridges of Madison County? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, it's a good episode, but uh, I, I feel like uh, NBC did well to propose they don't open the season with this, as it's not one of the strongest of the season by no, a long shot. I like this one. I I. I yeah? Yeah. My rating's going to be a little higher. Okay. But go ahead. You can keep pleading your case. Yeah, that's all I got, really. Okay. I, I think it's good, but it just there's nothing that wows me. It's when it comes up in my rotation, I've never been like, oh, man, it's the fire. Like, sweet. Huh. Uh, I enjoy it. I, I wouldn't skip it. Okay. But it's it just, uh, I don't know why. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to give this episode eight and a half burnt cheesy pitas. Ooh, out of 10. nice. You know, it's really, Dwight really, really steals this episode for me. I feel like you learn a lot about his character in this episode. That's true. I, there's something about the scene where he's in his car listening to REM that just, <laughs> I just, I, I love that scene. And whenever, I, it's just one of those scenes that really defines Dwight for me in a way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Okay. Completely. Again, I think it's it's fun to see kind of like the Office Olympics, but I think we get it a little bit more in this episode where we see these characters kind of out of their element and doing something they wouldn't normally do or talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, with all of their picks for the Desert Island game and the Who Would You Do um, Office coming alive. Yeah, I just yeah I enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, I dig it. And uh, I feel like the pacing's really, really good throughout the episode. 
Mm-hmm. And of course, the di- the dynamic between Ryan and Michael is really. I-, I agree with you that I think the Dundies was a better season opener than this episode would have been. Yeah, no, I didn't mean to say. I mean, I like that episode more than this one, but I wouldn't say it's objectively a better episode. I think it just yeah. does a better job of kind of representing how the feel and the tone of the show is going to be very different than moving forward yeah that is very true like this one i feel like you could fit it into season one somewhere and it wouldn't feel that weird it'd probably be the best season one episode if you did that by a long shot maybe yeah but i i feel like it tonally couldn't work there as well as it works here fair enough yeah you don't really get there's not much of a heartfelt moment at the end no, there's none. Yeah. Say besides Dwight being vindicated and singing loudly. It's true. I feel like Pam and Jim are both left a little disappointed. Yeah, we see just further kind of frustration on their part. Yeah. Although and, Jim uh, seems to be kind of less frustrated with his situation than Pam seems to be at it at the moment. Hmm. I think it's a new relationship for Jim. So even though he primarily is interested in Pam, I think it's you know easier for him to distract himself from that. That's now true. That a new and exciting person in his life. That's true. Whereas Pam is just, you know, with the person that she's been engaged to for like four years. Right. But yeah, it's honestly the Dwight moments in this episode that make me compelled to give it a high rating. Cool. Yeah. Well, I dig it. I like how some weeks one of us will... I like how we rarely... We have, I feel like, rated episodes the same. But usually one of us will yeah. be a little more generous or stingy with our rating for whatever reason. That's true. I dig it. Yeah. yeah. That's fun. Yeah. I like, I mean, I mean if it, we have the same would, rating every time, yeah. it would be pointless and boring. Right. So. Yeah. It would be boring if we, we both felt the same way about mm-hmm. every episode. But Yeah. And this is, a, this is a milestone for us. We're in the double digits now. What? Ten episodes of Out of Paper. Wow. I know we kind of said we were going to not bring up uh, episode numbers last episode, but... Did we? Yeah, we just stopped. We decided we were going to stop saying, and this is the 10th episode Oh, well, I mean, I felt like that was just a way to kind of shorten the beginning of our show. It wasn't like a, from this moment forward, we shall (laughs) never say what episode this... (laughs) At least I didn't take it that way. No, yeah. But I just felt like I had to bring it up because it is kind of a milestone. No, that's totally a milestone. Yeah. Ten episodes deep. Celebrate. What should we do? Cheesy pitas all around. Cheesy pitas. <laughs> Try not to burn the building down. Yep. <laughs> well, all right, guys. It's been fun. It has. Until the next time. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed yourselves. Yes. We'll catch you in the next one. And yeah, please uh, look at our show notes for our social media accounts. Give us a shout if you have anything to say, any corrections, complaints, compliments, constructive compliments. Yeah, and if you have any questions for cast members, I can just shoot them a text. Right. Rob is in the know (laughs) with everyone except for Steve Carell's wife. Working on it. Yeah. Any primary cast members. (laughs) Rob's got your back. All right, guys. Catch you next time. Peace, paper people.
Out of Paper is not endorsed by DLD Productions or NBC and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The Office, the Office logo, and all character, pictures, and audio of The Office are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their registered copyright holders.